Hello. Today, my guest, Jason Byrne, Chief Technology Officer at Echelon Fitness, teaches us how to get a faster, smarter workout and how to prioritize what matters. Welcome to the Taking Your Time podcast. All right. Hello, Time Hackers. I am pleased to introduce Jason Byrne, founder of Milesplit, head of engineering at Flow Sports, and now CTO of Echelon Fitness. I'm really looking forward to this chat. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Happy 4th. Oh, happy 4th. Yeah, it's been a, a great weekend. Got to spend time with family. How, how about yourself? Yeah, we, we love hosting holidays at our house. So we had you know both the in-laws and my parents over. So grilled out some, some burgers, you know, did it American style. That's fantastic. Uh, and, you know, ha- I always have to ask, did you, were there any tips to getting everything prepared and, you know, hosting for the family? It was probably a lot going on. Yeah, you know, I can't take much credit for it. I did the, I did grill out the food, but other than that, you know, my wife is, she's just awesome. And she, you know, she did all the hard work, get ready for the, for the company. That's awesome. Well, that's a tip. Delegate to someone else. There you go. I love if we could take a minute uh, just for the audience to, to get to know you. And so if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, I know you've had quite the, the journey here and I'd love for you to, to be able to share that and how you got, you got to where you are today. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I've been uh, around the internet as long as there's been an internet. You know, back in the 90s, I was building all kinds of websites, both for myself and professionally for uh, for other companies. You know, my first entrepreneurial experience was back then, back in high school, you know, part of the Chamber of Commerce, building websites for people, but also building websites for myself. And every interest I had, I built a website for it. You know, I liked Christian music back then. So I built a Christian music lyrics website, but I was also an athlete. I was a track and field runner, a cross country runner, and built a website for my team that turned into scouting other teams that are a competition and posting race results. And uh, anything, one thing led to another, and this turned into a, a pretty big deal by the time I graduated high school. And I went into college and, and turned that into what in Florida was known as FloridaRunners.com and nationally was known as MileSplit.com. Um, so if you were, if, you know, for those of you not old enough to recall back then, like the internet was very primitive and uh, a lot of the things that we take for granted today, like social media, like a bunch of stats online for sports, like that didn't exist. So what I saw the need for was, again, I wanted to, you know, scout my competition, know who we're going to face in the meet coming up this weekend. So I started building out a relational database. So MileSplit is a national network of state-based sites that feed up into a national-based site. So like in Florida, you know, you can dive really deep into, you know, I'm the 10th ranked sophomore in Orange County, Florida, in the 200-meter dash with wind legal times. Like, just like crazy deep relational database where, and every athlete has a page with all their stats on it. Every team has their roster and their schedule and all this kind of stuff. And again, back in, you know, 2001, when I launched Milesplit Network nationally, that was, uh, very pioneering that didn't exist. So I built that business for a number of years after I got out of college. It, it, you know, it was a big site, had a bunch of following, but I didn't have the revenue model. I kind of side hustled that. So that was like nights and weekends, like lunch breaks, you know, whatever time I could get was like building that business while I, you know, had a web development job. There was an IT director for a while. And it took me about five or six years of, of just bootstrapping that. And like I said, the hustling on whenever I could to be able to quit my full-time job, do mile split. So that was about 2007 that I went full-time on that. Then about five or six years later in 2013, I sold mile split to Flow Sports, joined Flow Sports at a very you know young part of that company's life 
and uh, as the uh, vice president of engineering. And I spent the past eight years at Flow Sports. It was it was awesome. I loved it. Recently, I decided I needed to do something different, get a new challenge in life, and took the took the leap. And I joined Echelon Fitness as CTO back in May. So it's been uh, it's been great. I'm I'm really enjoying so far. You know, helping another young startup get into that next phase of life. That's awesome. What congratulations and and what a change. I'm sure there's a a lot of things different, uh, but maybe some things familiar as well. Yeah, for sure. It's it's interesting because, you know, the when they came when Echelon came to me with the opportunity, at first I was like, you know, I was about to hit delete on that email. I was like I was like hard no because I was I, I just can't say enough good things about Flow Sports and the team I worked with there and I was I was extremely happy. But you know, I heard about the company and it was just a really exciting time. The growth that Echelon has right now is just crazy. The pandemic did nothing but of course help the connected fitness industry so echelon makes bikes and rowers and 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 treadmills and, and a reflect which is a mirror uh hang on the wall product i saw that i really i really want one <laughs> yeah i might be able to hook you up with a discount so hit me up afterwards so it's a really exciting time with it with the growth they've had but it, you know it's also was the situation where when they described where the company was at, I was like, okay, that, that's flow sports like five years ago. So there was a lot of been there, done that. Like I know how to build an engineering team and a workflow and a process and, you know, HR to get, you know, from where they are to, you know, the mature place that we had gotten with, with flow sports. So it's, it's fun to do it again. I know it's, it's, it's a different challenge, but it's also. I'd, I'd, I'd love to dig into that, but I also, maybe if we could rewind a little bit, a theme that seems to be coming up on this show with with people who have, you know, quite a number of accomplishments, but also I would say a almost a career of dabbling in their interests and just an extreme interest from whatever those things are. And 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 somehow that's a recipe for success. But also I've 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 heard from from many listeners that, you know, they have so many things that they want to do and not enough time that they it almost seems like they're not doing anything. So what's the difference? Like, how do you go from, you know, having all these things that you want to do and, and, and just not having enough time to do almost any of them properly to being able to actually explore all of these different opportunities and interests and then turning them into something real? I, I feel like there is, is some, something that catalyzes and makes those opportunities become, I, I don't know, something bigger, right? Yeah, I, I think that in life, you should follow what you're passionate about. If you're, if you're not passionate about it, then, you know, it, it's just going to be always a grind and you're going to, I don't feel like I go to work, you know, I, I feel like my work is my play because I do what I love. And whether that's, you know, my, my day job or on, on the side, I, I, I do think it's important to have side hustles. Like I, I love local history and I write a lot, a lot of local history articles. You know, you can't, you can't work all the time, as some people do, I suppose, but I like to have those little side things. So I always have something I'm doing the side, whether it's gardening or writing history articles, but whatever it is, you know, you do something that you really care about and, you know, it, it just, it's just fun and it's fresh all the time. Got it. So just picking and choosing, it sounds is, is Yeah, you definitely important. have to know how to, what to say no to as well, obviously. But I'd also say that, you know, there's a saying like you throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> you know, I, I never, when I started my website for track and field, back in high school, obviously I know I didn't think that was, I was building my career, but it was something that I was pursuing my passions. And I saw other people were like, Oh man, I like that. The, the, the kind of the, the market tells you that you're onto something, you see a little smoke. And once you see that smoke, you know, that if you dive 
more completely into that, that you can build something around it. But, you know, you might be interested in something else and the market tells you that, you know, there's nothing there, you know, don't pursue it, you know? Got it. No, okay. That's actually really good. Almost like a time bound exploration. Try it. See if something, something happens. I'm a big, I'm a big follower of, of Lean Startup, which I think you probably know that book. And they talk about the build, measure, learn loop and, and minimum viable products. And so they talk about, you know, when you have a business, one of the, one of the things in the book was, was don't even, don't even write the first line of code. If you have an idea, build like a, a web page that just says collect email addresses and says, I want to build widgets, you know, and put your email address here if you're interested in widget, widgets and, uh, and then do SEO testing and see if people actually you know, land on that page and put their email address in there. If you, if they do, you know, there's an interest and you can pursue it. If not, then, you know, you saved yourself, you know, six months of time, right? Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. So throughout this process, you know, moving further into your career, right? You know, you get to, as you start to get more advanced, you may be building a family, you may have more responsibilities, you have, you know, other people that perhaps may, may report to you. So things, Things sort of get complicated trying to juggle all of that and, and the stakes get higher and higher. You know, one thing that I think my audience would, would be really interested in is can, can you achieve that work life balance while still advancing your career? And, and, and maybe, you know, what, what kind of uh, guidance would you give for, for people in that position? I think that you can when you're young <laughs> and you, you can either when you're single or, you know, you have a, a supportive, forgiving wife, which is what I had in the the early stages of my career. But you know, in 2008, when we had my daughter, you know, life life started to change a little bit, and priorities started to change a little bit. You know, while I was between you know 21 and 28 years old, you know, I could I could stay up until 3 a.m. and and wake up at you know nine and start all over again. You know, I couldn't do that anymore, and I could work I could work weekends with my daughter and wanting to spend time with her. You know, I couldn't do that anymore, and I got some really good advice from a friend that said, you know, you can screw up a lot of things in your life and get a second chance, but, you know, raising your kid, you can't, you can't get a do-over of a childhood of, of your, of your kid. So that really made me think. And the pivotal moment for me was at my daughter's first birthday party, we were at a petting zoo in Kissimmee and, uh, and we were, we were literally on a hay ride. I was sitting on a bale of hay and I got a call that the server was down. And so I'm, you know, sitting there on my BlackBerry phone, like SSH into the server with my BlackBerry. And my wife is just sitting on a bale of hay across from me, looking at me like, are you kidding me right now? It's your daughter's first birthday party. And she did not say those words to me, but her eyes told me that. And that was the, the moment where I'm like, this is, this is not how I want to spend my time. I want to spend my time with my family. And again, you can't get that back. So from that moment on, I, I really started pursuing changing paths and not, being the CEO, not being the end-all be-all of Miles Split anymore and, and finding a way to divest that. And that's, you know, it took a few years, but that's where we ended up selling to Flow Sports years later because I, I just knew that was the right path for me and, and my family. And I needed my nights, I needed my weekends, I needed to just, you know, spend some time with my daughter growing up. So I have a lot of respect for that because I think it, it, you know, I, I've had similar times in uh, my career and I think it, you know, it might have been easy to justify and say, you know, she's she's only one. She's not really going to remember. One of the things that is important for me on this show is I don't talk about what you should be doing with your time. I think that's really personal and subjective. I think there's a lot of meaning in 
the choices that you make that end up consuming time. And that does indicate what your priorities are. And, you know, my goal is to, to share with the audience ways that they can get more of the, of the time that they want to experience. But ultimately it's their decision and it's a powerful decision. It has, you know, great impact on not only on their life, but on the lives of others. You know, what, what you, your story really, you know, resonates with me making, making that choice. So much, much respect there. Maybe shifting into your, your work a little bit. I'd love to hear maybe on, on your most recent products that you're, you're working on now in your new role. You know, is, I assume you've had a, a decent amount of time to get acclimated now. And I'm really curious because I've always, you know, apologies. I, I was, was looking at your competitor bike before even knowing that Echelon existed. But, but, you know, looking at what you all offer, I was even thinking to myself, like, it, it is cool, right? That's one thing. But on the other hand, I do see opportunities where it could save me time being able to just hop in and out of a, of a class. And, you know, I'm just curious if, do, do you feel like that that's true for, for your customers? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the pandemic really, of course, changed people's perspective of, of what you need, what you can do at home versus what you need to do in person. But that definitely goes for connected fitness. And, you know, I find myself in my busy schedule. It's really easy to, to, to get too busy to, to be concerned about your wellness, your fitness. And, you know, you, you're, you, you have meetings starting early, you know, you have this or that, you're getting your daughter ready for school, then you're going to work. And by the time you know it, you know, you eat dinner and it's seven o'clock and, and you're like, oh, I didn't do anything. But with what we offer, you can literally take a class at midnight if you want to, or 9, 8, 9 p.m. or, you know, or 5 a.m. or whatever. You don't have to wait for a, a gym to open. It's always right there waiting for you, either with a live class, which we have lots of, which people really enjoy or also on demand that's literally any time. You know, if you have 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, you don't have to commute, jump on the bike, hit play, and and there you go, you get your workout in. You know, you don't have to compromise that anymore just because your schedule is is ridiculous. You know, and and on top of that, I think even even if you were able to fit it sometimes into your schedule, it's like the sometimes I didn't go when I had time because I didn't want to pack my bags and and commute. Right. And, and, and then, or, or maybe the class was, I, I could fit it in, but maybe the class was like a bit too long. So it didn't give me enough time to come back. Yeah. You know, I'm curious about that is like uh, the flexibility of choosing the class sizes. Do you have short and long classes? We have everything from a five minute class to a two hour class. So really, again, it's, it's, it's your choice. You choose the you choose the instructor you like. You choose the type of music you like. You choose the you know. Do you want it you know intense with high resistance or do you want it speed? You know, it, it's really it's really great because you know it's a plethora of content options anytime to fit your schedule. That's that's great. Yeah, I, I definitely see myself being uh, interested in this and and I. Just for the audience, this is not a sponsored podcast. So this is <laughs> no, but I, you know, no, I, yeah, I truly, yeah. Am. We also, you know, we are, and there's also like off bike options. So a lot of people, you know, want to cross train and do some yoga or you know some strength exercises. So there's like on bike or or tread or uh, you know or off. So it's it's like I said, full full fitness schedule to meet your schedule. That's awesome. That's Maybe we could uh, segue too into how you build these products and and. You know, I know you've got uh, quite a large team there that builds the technology and, you know, many different roles. So I'm curious, 
what your day-to-day schedule looks like. What are you doing, you know, from the moment you get in and, you know, what are your meeting cadences look like? How much time do you have to spend with, with certain people? Feel free to go as, as, in as much detail as you'd like. Yeah, I normally wake up in the morning about 6 to 6.30, you know, get coffee, get some breakfast, you know, watch a few YouTube videos or read a couple meeting articles. By 7.30 or 8, I try to jump in and, you know, before the meeting start and 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 check my email, get through as much as of that as I can. Right now, I, I usually, the day, so we, we're very hybrid. So some days I'm working from home still, some days I go into the office. And and by the way, that, that's something that we look to keep in the future. I, I really love that hybrid balance to be able to have that, that face-to-face and whiteboarding time with people, but also the work from home. But on the days I do go to the office, our, our meetings start about 9 a.m. You know, I usually, those are stand-up meetings and I'll usually catch the first meeting on the commute, you know, trying to make the most of my time on the commute, just you know, jumping on that that call that stand up virtually, and and get in about nine thirty, and and you know, I, I'm in a lot of meetings. <laughs> I know you are as well, but but usually have you know probably three fourths of my day is going to be already predetermined to be in meetings. I, I I always block my lunch hour. I I really try to get that full hour of lunch because I think I need. I feel like I need that break and that that kind of that that breath, you know, midday. On the days that I'm in the office, I also love that time because I, I, I purposely spend that with my coworkers to foster those relationships. You know, as 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 a manager, you know, I feel like while I have a lot of architectural and technical responsibilities, I feel like the, my most important responsibilities, the people, you know, who who lean on me, my, my direct reports and the, those that, you know, report to my direct reports. So I usually try to go out to lunch and, and spend some time with them, just shooting the breeze, not talking really much about work, just just getting to know them and then uh, back into uh, back into the meetings. But I, I do very intentionally block time for what I need to block time for. So my schedule is is my my weapon. So if I need time to write, you know, a technical specifications for a product, I don't do a lot of coding anymore, but sometimes I you do, I'm going to block this time to code. Like you have to schedule defensively and 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 do what matters. We we had a leadership training at Flow Sports a few years ago and one of the, and one of the questions I was asking like, "What do you do? You know, you're put in all these meetings." And he's like, "You own your schedule." I'm like, "No, no, people put stuff on my my calendar." I he's like, "No." Yeah, that is your schedule. You own it. You have the right to say no to any of those meetings. I do feel like people don't realize that. They feel like, you know, they have to be in these these meetings, but you need to decide what is the most important thing for you to be doing. And sometimes that is turning down a meeting. And guess what? The world probably won't stop. Unless you're leading that meeting, they'll go on fine without you and you can get the summary. You know, you choose choose that strategically. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I do find that people think that not making a decision is weaseling out of it somehow as far as, you know, a meeting, but it also extends into your personal life. If you're being invited to places and you always say yes, just because you're being invited, you know, you're, you're making a decision whether you think you are or not. So no decision is, is, you know, basically the, the opposite of whatever would, would have happened if, if you uh, said no to that thing. And, and that's, and that's a choice, right? And, and people, Owning that, I think, will will get them a lot farther. And I, and I do like your comment about. I do want to specifically call out the defensive scheduling. Uh, I, that's the first time I've I've heard of that term. It sounds a lot like time blocking, but the way that you say it in those words makes it seem a lot more powerful because you're protecting yeah. something. And and I, I really like the way that that comes across. 
Yeah, you know, in, in church the other day, our pastor said something about what you worry about, about, about anxiety. And he said, you know, what, what you're anxious about is communicating what is important to you. What is most important to you are the things you worry about. I think the same thing is about scheduling. You know, what you, you own your schedule and you only have a certain number of hours a day. What you allow on your schedule is saying what's most important. You know, make sure that you block those things that are most important and, and you you hold those those times to be sacred. I, I remember, you know, my CE, my CEO at Flow Sports sometimes got in the bad habit, maybe because they're a different time zone, but would schedule things after 6 p.m. And it's a CEO. You don't think you can say no, but I actually reached out to uh, his assistant and I was like, this isn't cool. I don't care if he's a CEO. This is my time with my family. And if it, unless it's an emergency, you know, don't do that. And so I think you have to set up those boundaries. And for me, you know, 6 p.m., hey, that, that starts my family time. And I may go back to work, you know, after getting my daughter to bed and do a little extra work at 9.30, 10, just because I'm a workaholic. That, 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 is, that is blocked, you know, again, barring emergencies. And I think that's important because you were telling your family, you know, whether they're important or not, whether that, that work is something you choose over them or not. That's a very powerful message. And, and I agree wholeheartedly with it. You know, maybe what, what might be interesting in addition to, you know, getting a glimpse of, of what you, you do on a day to day basis, were there any particular projects? It could be in your current role, could be in past roles that, you know, was a particular time challenge. Like maybe it took a lot of time or maybe something was happening too. Just it's, it's always interesting for the audience to see how time affects different companies and different roles and different life cycles. Is any, anything of like that come to mind? There's not a particular thing that I can say like this particular project was a challenge because, you know, I, I think it's it's for me, it's like when you're when you're managing a team as project management, your team only has so much velocity, you only have so much bandwidth. I, I think that we're the same way and we have to acknowledge our own limitations. And if we try to do everything, we're, we're going to do nothing well. And so I hate the feeling. I don't feel like I'm doing things up to the best of my ability. And those are the times when I've allowed myself to get stretched too thin. So I like to really think about prioritizing and understanding, like, here's, here's my number one, my number two, my number three, you know, and, and, and knowing what timeline those things need to be done at and making sure that you're focusing on the right things, not getting caught up on that thing that's number five on the list that can wait till later or that's not as important. You know, we got to invest in the thing that's most important and most timely. Yeah, let me know if this sounds true to you. So you've heard of the Iron Triangle before? So, um, probably. Yeah. So you, you see, so have it's it's like you you have time, you have resources, right? And you have time, resources, and scope. And so the the each of these things increases the other. And I, some people say something like, oh, you can only pick two, but I think that's a little bit arbitrary. In Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of my favorite books, they talk about time scheduling in one of the chapters. And there's there's four quadrants. In the, in the top quadrant, there's urgent and important. In the, the top, there's not urgent, but important. In the bottom uh, left, there's not important, but urgent. And on the bottom is not important and not urgent. Obviously, you don't want to spend much of your time in that bottom right quadrant that's not important and not urgent. And but you know, people spend most of their time in that top left quadrant, that that important and urgent. But the thing about that quadrant is those are those are things that are are crises, that are emergencies, that are demanding our time. And we tend to get caught up in those things. But the fact is that's not where you're most valuable. We also get caught up in the bottom left 
of not important and urgent because they feel urgent, but they're really not important. So first of all, you recognize like what is truly important and what's not important. If it's, if it's not important, even though it's urgent, if it's not important, you know, that can take a side, a side seat to it. But where we want to spend actually most of our time is in that top right quadrant of the important things that are not urgent. And the reason why is because those are the things where we can start to be proactive. We can look for, you know, things that may become crises in the future and we can head them off ahead of time. So if we set up, you know, we plan and we, you know, look at our, our monitoring to, you know, or our logs of technology to see, you know, what are the things that might be flagged as something really critical later, but we can catch them off now. You know, we can see that employee who might end up churning, but we can start to see way before it becomes like they've turned in their two weeks notice, we can see, hey, this person's struggling. I might need to spend some time with them to make them happy or make sure I'm doing the career development I need to do with them where we can head those things off and be proactive and smooth sailing rather than spending ourselves like firefighting from crisis to crisis. So that to me is like really powerful when you recognize like how you're spending your time and prioritizing appropriately. I, I love this matrix and I really appreciate you bringing this up. I think one of the challenges that I've had with this one, especially when it comes to planning, is the danger of planning almost becoming... I don't know, procrastination or, right, or, or, or getting into analysis paralysis or maybe even just over planning to the extent of planning things that aren't going to materialize or, you know, are going to happen much differently than what you planned for anyway. So I'm just, how do you prevent yourself from moving from that top right quadrant to, you know, a different box by, by not planning appropriately. I think I, I, you know, I'd love your perspective. And I think about it a lot like coding, right? You know, you have, you have this big application that, that you need to do. You got to plan for that. And you, you know, you have, you have certain requirements and, you know, and, and you need to spend the, you need to spend probably more of your time planning than you need to spend your time coding, because then you're going to make sure that when you actually sp- spend time executing or coding, you're doing the right things. Just like, just, you know, just like that, you can, you can spend too much time in that, in that planning and you can plan for things that may never happen, you know, edge cases that may never come to fruition, or, you know, you can, you can plan the, the app two years out, but you might end up pivoting somewhere else. I I think that you have to think about, you know, where you want to go, but you, you can't go too far into the future like that. You have to you have to think of life iteratively. You have to think of those planning iteratively. You know, when whenever we break out coding projects, I I'm a big fan of doing phase one, phase two, phase three. And you can and you can know what phase three is going to look like in your head. You can think phase three is going to be this, but that has to be a pencil drawn plans. And we're going to do phase one and then we're going to build, measure, learn. We're going to learn and see if it so looks like that. And I, I think the same way with these you know, planning projects and, 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 and initiatives is you have to know that you're going to learn something in the process and that it may change. You know, you focus on that phase one, going back to seven habits of highly effective people, you begin with the end in mind, but then you start with first things and, and then, you know, it may change. I love know? how your philosophy is so cohesive because it also connects back to lean start by taking an iterative approach, right? You don't, don't build the whole business plan, like just go start and see if you get customers. Don't worry about anything else yet because you don't need it yet, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, we're, we're working on some projects at, at Echelon and people have this grand vision of where we want to go. And I'm like, that's cool, but we can keep that in our mind. But let's build that first thing. Let's see if there's smoke. And if there's smoke, then we'll pour gas on it. You know, at Flow Sports, we used to say uh, test and invest. You know, we're going we're gonna to launch this thing and we're going to test it. 
And if we see that momentum there, we see that smoke, we're going to dive into it. But there's no need to, you know, build this thing, you know, five steps down the line yet. We don't know if step one's going to actually work. No, that, that's uh, really important. Really, really important. I've, you know, had a great time hearing about, you know, your journey and, and listening to, you know, how you think about um, approaching not only work-life balance, but really how to uh, make those priorities and how to manage that time. So really appreciate you sharing that with uh, with me and the audience today. I learned a lot. Are there any other time-saving tips? It could be about anything. I always like to ask this at the end, you know, something that you might see on Lifehacker maybe, but but anything that, you know, you might think the audience would be interested in. I think that you have to be intentional about it. And, you know, whatever tools that you choose, you got to you got to make those priorities and you have to write them down because living in your head and trying to like juggle them, it's never going to work. So I've used a lot of different ones over the years and I can't swear like one is better than the other. I've used Trello. I've used Google Keep. I've used like pen and paper. I've used a spreadsheet. But whatever it is, you know, track what are those priorities so that whenever you have, you know, that moment of trying to plan your schedule for the next couple of weeks. And by the way, you know, I, I'm a religious about that as well. I look, you know, two or two or more weeks in, in advance to try to, you know, pre-schedule that. But look at that priority list and make sure that your schedule is aligning with those priorities. Okay. No, that's a good one, right? Don't, don't bite off more than you can chew. I think I, I'm very guilty of just adding things to my to-do list and thinking that they'll get done just because I've added them there. But you're right. You got to map that back to reality. And we live in a finite uh, time-based universe. So <laughs> appreciate that. Is there anything else uh, that you'd like to share with the audience before we close out today? You know, Echelon Fitness is Orlando-based startup here. All of our tech team is is uh, is based in Orlando. We're hiring. We're, we're growing aggressively. And, you know, if you do have interest and, uh, and working in an exciting space that's a, a growing industry of connected fitness, you know, definitely reach out. I'd love to uh, connect with you on LinkedIn and see if there's an opportunity for you at Echelon. That's awesome. And I highly recommend anyone listening to the show, if you, if you think you're even slightly interested, go ahead and, and uh, click that apply button. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, Jason, and uh, let's, let's do this again sometime. Sounds good, Jock. Thank you. Have a good one.